You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. Yeah, Tommy's here. Aaron's here. The show's presented by Window Nation. If you're in the market for windows, please do Tom and me a favor and call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com and tell them we told you to call. Scott Van Pelt will be with us Let me on the show today. Can I tease what's no. on the show today? No. Okay, go because, ahead. Interrupt. Because, because I'm going to try to help you here. Okay. You, if you call Window Nation, you're not only doing Kevin and I a favor, you're doing yourself a favor. Big favor. Big favor. That's a good Especially point. with this winter coming. You can interrupt with that kind okay. of insight. Okay. My work is done here. Scott Van Pelt's on the show today, as he always is on Thursday. Brian McNally from the Sports Capital uh, will join the show today. Uh, what Alex Smith said to the media about moving on from Monday night coming up as well. We'll do the NFL Power Poll for the week. And I promise you this, Tommy, in my poll, there won't be an NFC East team. That I guarantee you. Even the teams to keep an eye on, like, hey, be keep beware of this team. They could start playing well. Nobody in the NFC no. East. Uh, but maybe yours. But you haven't put yours together yet. You'll get to that uh, shortly, I'm sure. Well, it uh, requires so much thought because it, it's such a creative segment. Yes, it is. It really is. Because <laughs> nobody does it. No. Um, I will uh, begin today uh, with an acknowledgement that Tom did not mention the Gruden Black Cloud line on the show yesterday. We had an argument about that. I thought he had mentioned it. We bet. We did a double or nothing bet on... I don't know. I, I think I... Uh, we bet a steak dinner at the Palm on whether or not the Red. I said the Redskins would have their name changed within two years. And that was in 2014. Right. It wasn't, so I won that bet. There were like four or five others I won, too, but we'll just count it as one. Yeah, and I'm so sure. yesterday you was know a what? I, you double You remember or nothing. that like you remember the dark cloud. <laughs> so, you know, I got a bunch of tweets on it after uh, we put the podcast out yesterday. And they said that Tony said it, and I was on Tony's show yesterday. So that's where I was remembering. You know what? I think, Kevin, I've made an observation <laughs> after doing the show for a couple of weeks. Yeah. You're not as sharp as you used to uh, be. You know what? I am. You're, 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 your brain, it, it, it's, something's do you, happened. Do you really think that's true? Yeah. You're just really? not as sharp as you used to be. <laughs> Seriously? And, I mean, I, I think I'm actually getting sharper as i get older of course older. you do and and you seem if you're to not like, sure just let's ask you and you seem to be regressing um you, there are, there are, have been some moments here I'll, yeah. I'll grant you that. You I, know, maybe you should get one of those apps where you have to remember colors and stuff like that, like for a brain exercise. Well, let me let me just tell you that it's very interesting that you bring that up because typically if you are searching for something that you can't exactly remember and if you go through it on your own and you come up with it, that is a signal that there's nothing really wrong systemically, that it's more probably a lack of sleep or lack of fish oil tablets or whatever it is, <laughs> superfood groups. But if you can't come up with it, then there could be, and more likely than not, no reason. I don't want to alarm anybody, but there could be a reason to be concerned. And I will tell you that whenever I have those stretches and you get them as you get a little bit older and when you're tired in particular. And I'm like, God, what was that? What was the name of that person? If you, if you hang in there and you go through the alphabet or whatever it is that will spark it and you come up with it, you're fine. And I always come up with it. Always. I'm, so anyway, oh, wait, I don't wait, want wait. to talk about this wait, anymore. Wait a minute. I, I don't I, want to... I'm sorry. What did you say? <laughs> exactly. What did you say? <laughs> I don't even know what you said. Uh, I did watch the Caps game last night. 
the third period. I watched uh-huh. the third period of the game. Well, you know what they night. say about hockey. It's the last two minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, the last two minutes are great in hockey. In uh, the NBA as well. The Caps beat Vegas 5-2 to two last night. Their power play is just lethal and fun. Like, they get so many opportunities on their power play. And I'm going to ask you, the hockey expert yes. among the two of us, do you now believe that Kuznetsov is their best player, hands down? Because I, uh, the, the crew last night, and we did have Doc Emmerich calling the game. It was an NBC yes, Sports it was Network a national game. Network game. They they discuss that right now Kuznetsov is their best player, and perhaps even a top three player in the entire sport. Well, if if you had read my column in the Washington Times that I had written after last Wednesday's home opener. And I suggested that when people were talking about a Stanley Cup hangover, I suggested that this team may be even better than the one that won the Stanley Cup last really? year. Really? Yes. In your column? Yes. God. And And the reason why, I mean, there's a number of reasons why, abstract reasons, they know how to win now, all that stuff. But on paper, the reason that you can point to is Kuznetsov. I mean, he has emerged as one of the best players in the league. And now he plays on a team with Alex Ovechkin. And, yes, you could make the case he is the most talented and best player on that team right now. So when you have, when you have Ovechkin and Kuznetsov, you're a nightmare uh, matchup for, for defenses around the league. He, he, by all rights, he should have won the MVP for, for the uh, finals, for the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs last year. Ovechkin won, and he was deserving of it. But Kuznetsov, had, you know, had 32 points in, in in the postseason. He was the best player in the postseason. Yeah. And and, and for, for to add him to a team that's already talented offensively, uh, I I think they really could be a better team than last year. Doesn't mean they'll win the Stanley Cup again. I mean, because we know how random that is in postseason hockey. It's it's like a tournament sport, like baseball now. But uh, I think what a president's trophy could be in the works this yeah, year. Yeah, but for we this don't team. count president's trophies. Well, why anymore. not? I mean, you got the Stanley Cup. You know what? I don't even think that. You know, I don't even know if Ted still hangs the president cups banners. In that he? in that column that I was trying to get through online, but it kept refreshing and restarting <laughs> on the Washington Times <laughs> website, which is just I don't know why they haven't fixed that because your columns are so worth reading, but they're so difficult to read online. I know I'm not the only person oh, no, that has not. said that. You are not the oh, only one. Oh my god. I mean, get an IT guy there. Get a web guy <laughs> down there that can fix that. But the um your column if you were suggesting that this team was even better, as you pointed out, that really doesn't mean anything with respect to the postseason. No. It just doesn't. Although, in a sport that you and I have always said is so random when it comes to a best of 7 postseason series, this sport has also had dynasties. Yes, it they has. Have. Yes, yes, it has. Although, although uh, recently well, the Penguins. Yes, uh, the Penguins. Uh, the, the Penguins. Uh, b- the Blackhawks. The Blackhawks. The Penguins with Lemieux. Yeah. The Oilers. Yeah, with no, Gretzky, you're right. You're right. And, and they have the and, Islanders and, with and Bossy even, and that whole crew. Even though, well, you're going way back there. Even though uh, it is random, uh, we we can pretty much agree that if you have a great goalie and a great goal scorer. You've got a chance in any in any postseason series. Now they have two great goal scorers. Right. Uh, uh, I'll be curious. 
about the Tom Wilson factor moving forward. People have forgotten about him. Didn't seem to make well, a difference. Well, because they've been terrific in their start. Yes, the, the last night. But uh, he was a big part of their success last year. And I think he's going to have a very rough year. Very rough year. I want to just give kudos out to Coach Reards. Um, Coach Reards challenged. I don't. You weren't watching it, but at four to two, the game Vegas got on a roll there, and they were dominating. They had tilted the ice, Tommy. It's a term you're not necessarily familiar with, but they had tilted the ice, and they were getting. They were peppering, peppering Holtby, <laughs> and there were multiple chances. And then they got. Uh, then they got on a power play and had multiple chances, didn't score. But then they got a goal at four two to cut it to four to three. But there was a challenge from old Coach Reards. And he said, check it, they were offside before the goal, and certainly they were. And so it got overturned. Good job out of Coach Reards for, or whomever it was that told him was watching the film. Maybe Bruce Allen was handling replay in that game. <laughs> you know, uh, tilting the ice, peppering. You know, another sign of, of, of some brain issues is when you repeat the last thing you've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> I do that all the time. I want to read you this tweet from Sandy. Um, I think you got it, too. Are you guys serious about Colt McCoy? They traded a fortune for Alex Smith. Smith gets plenty of rope, two years' worth of rope minimum. You both are crazy. (laughs) Okay, so... Well, I am crazy about Colt McCoy. We know that. First of all, it was brought up because Doc had suggested it during the call of the game, the radio call of the game. And there were two things that I... Uh, listened to and and heard after the fact that Doc had suggested during the game, hey, relief pitcher, because the starter doesn't have it. Alex Smith doesn't have it. And Cooley suggested that Alex Smith had the yips. Um, So that's why it was brought up. I was not (laughs) suggesting that they were going to go to Colt McCoy. Uh, Let me just say this, Tommy. Alex Smith is going to start every game this year unless he gets hurt. Unless, Unless he gets hurt, there's zero chance Colt McCoy starts a football game. In part, because can you imagine if the admission of incompetence (laughs) several games into the season, uh, if they were to bench him? Because that's what they would be admitting. It would be completely ridiculous for the organization that went beyond what was needed to elevate themselves, to self-congratulate themselves, to elevate the quarterback, to talk about the trade that made them better, to talk about the trade that brought great leadership to a position that hasn't had it in recent years, a trade and a contract extension that locked up their franchise quarterback for five years to come, a trade, Tommy, that brought a breath of fresh air, (laughs) according to the owner. How about this one? A trade that Bruce Allen said, hey, there's three quarterbacks who have 50 wins in the last five years. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that might be the type of guy you want on your football team, talking about Alex Smith. And then he went on in in, in an interview with J.P. Finley. He said, wins and losses are the most important statistic when it comes to an equipment manager, team president, quarterback, running back, a guard, or a coach. You remember that one? I love going back and finding old quotes. Yeah. Something I love to do. Yeah, absolutely. And that team president of all people, his one loss record is pathetic. 54-78-1 since coming to Washington. And you talk about a statement that really exposed him. It was also a statement that for any intelligent football fan is a statement that's naive or ignorant. One or the two. Because football is the most dependent sport. Alex Smith was on good 
to very good teams. That's why his record has been very good. His teams in San Francisco and Kansas City were good. They were good teams. They were well-coached teams for the most part. Um, it's also, you know, when I read this, as I often do, I go back and find these old quotes to sort of support <laughs> these things that I want to do. Um, I learned that from somebody. But it bothers me when I, when I read that. It bothered me then when I read it, and I did a whole lot on it. And it bothers me even today, because if Bruce Allen and Jay Gruden didn't realize what Alex Smith was before they traded for him, then it really is sort of time to give up. Because I, would not, I would not connect Bruce Allen and, and Jay Gruden automatically. On, you would just you would just connect Bruce Allen, yeah, because he didn't tell Doug Williams. You don't think he took told Jay Gruden? No, I think he told Jay Gruden. I, I but again, look at we've seen what happens uh, with Bruce Allen and trading for quarterbacks. Uh, we saw what Mike. We didn't know Mike Shanahan didn't want Donovan McNabb for a long time. He told us that was right. the first time we heard it. Right. So we don't know how much Jay Gruden loved Alex Smith. He may have been going along with the program. You know, and, and the other thing is, as far as you saying that he will never start, that Colt McCoy will never start, no matter how poorly Alex Smith plays because of what an admission it would be, what, what about a guy who has nothing to lose? What if Jay Gruden at some point in the season has a sense that he's gone? Because it's... And that he's out. Because it's... And what, what, he's, he's, he's enough of a maverick and an outlaw mentality to 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 give the owner and his buddy Bruce the middle finger and say I'm starting Colt McCoy setting off a whole firestorm. He's capable of that. No, if, if he, he's if not. If he realizes he's not. And I, and I'm, by the way, don't compare it to him going in with McLuhan to Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen and saying can't start RG three because we can't win. We can't even be a competitive football team. We have to start Kirk Cousins as as a reason to think that he would do it again. No, they're, that, they're that was a guy saving situations. his job. This is a guy with, when it's, when he realizes his job. That's is gone. true. That's why it's apples and oranges. I don't think he would do that. Okay, I don't. I, I, I anything's possible. I, I just anyone that's watched this league. All right, and this is what sometimes they out there don't do as much as the other teams do. You had to know that when you traded for Alex Smith, you weren't getting a guy that you could strap the team to. You're getting a guy that was absolutely one of these guys that was very capable of being a top half of the league starter if everything around him was good. You had to have a running game. It's the only time this guy's yes. really succeeded. I hope Bruce and Jay, in their due diligence prior to this trade, said, we got to have a running game, Jay. Well, Jay, can you produce well, a running draft, game? They drafted Geis. They drafted Darius Geis. And that pre- presumably was a step in the right direction. I, I agree But with they that. had no plan B if, if Geis didn't work out. I mean, their plan B didn't arrive here until the third week in August. I know. Well, you know, it's hard to get plan A and then a plan B that that is a really good plan B in one off season. You know, they drafted Samaje Pirine last year in the fourth round. They thought he might eventually be a plan A. Right, and and they don't even give him a uniform not, now. Not wear. now, but uh, you know, I know that they thought. He was better than the last guy. I know that they thought he won more than the last guy and that that was somehow really important to them. I just hope they know why he won a lot more than the last guy. He won because everything around him was great. And if they don't realize or didn't realize that, it's a truly limited view. 
You know, and that's not what team executives in the NFL need to have when it comes to this position. Their view has to be a little bit more about, okay, he's a winning quarterback. Let's get him. That's not what happens. Quarterbacks just don't win without the rest of the team. If they, did, if they didn't know that that quarterback, that position, was dependent on others, you know, shame on them. I, I'm just going to say this. There's no chance they're going to bench him. And I'm also going to say this now. I don't think they're going to have a reason to bench him. I think what we saw the other night was a true aberration performance from Alex Smith. I, I know what he is and has been. I do believe that Alex Smith is a guy that you can win with, and I think the Redskins are a better team around him, and I think they'll produce. I think they'll produce enough to keep him you know, looking, even if it's inconsistent, looking like, all right, they're making progress. I, I, I do believe that. Where is the protection going to come for Alex Smith? Uh, it's going to have to come from a running game that is more consistent with Adrian Peterson. That's big time protection. The guy and, with the with the shoulder injury. Yep, the guy okay. or or thirty three year old guy with the shoulder or injury? another guy that they put in there. I'm not. Uh, you can generate a running game without a great running back. Now this coach hasn't done it, and this offensive line coach who has also been in charge of the running game, Callahan, hasn't done it. But I, I they I'm gonna believe in Adrian Peterson for right now. But the other thing too, Tommy, is that Jay Gruden, without an offensive line and without a running game, has schemed up an offense that's been able to move the football. And I don't think Alex Smith has a sense of what how Jay Gruden did it for you know, the three years previous. How they had He didn't ha- do it did, for the three years previous. Let's remember Sean no, was, McVay did it for a couple of years. Sean McVay did it, but it was it was Jay and Sean and the quarterback. Well, and he, I think and I think Alex Smith is capable of you know doing a lot of the stuff that they've done here over the last th- uh, you know few years. The, you know, quick throws, quick game is going to be important. I want to see that as a big well, part of the talk, game plan they, they on Sunday. About, look at one of the things they talked about Monday night on the broadcast. One of the things that w- was worth listening to on on that terrible broadcast team was I actually thought Jason Witten was much better the lack, his analysis is pretty good the so lack, is McFarland's. the lack of a sense of urgency when they were down I mean they, they don't and we've heard that for years I mean we heard that I mean you know there's God, there's I no hate hurry when you use urgency everybody uses that term but but I know that I wrote a whole column about it <laughs> really yes I did that was one I was able to read it took me a little while but, <laughs> but I was able to read it but I mean so they, they don't have that 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 quick strike offense because they don't even have a sense of urgency when it when it no, comes to No I'm not to... talking about that I'm talking about true west coast quick game which is when they've had no running game, when they've had some issues along the offensive line, that's how they've moved the football. But they they've have moved to, the football they have that to way. be in control to do that. Alex Smith is capable of doing that, all right, in, in Jay Gruden's scheme. Not, maybe, when not when they fall behind. Maybe not as well as, as the last guy did it, but he's capable of doing that. Look, look it. He's not getting benched <laughs> this year. There is no chance. Okay, okay, now, wait, next, wait, no, next no, year. no, 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 oh, no, boy. no. I'm going to give you another scenario. What? In addition to the Jay Gruden Maverick scenario. Jay Gruden gets fired? No, 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 no. What happens if the locker room looks around and says, hey, we'd rather have Kirk? The locker room has been telling you for a couple months about how, I mean, did you read DJ Swearinger's uh, little oh, qu- my comment God. before gonna, the game the other night? You're going to take him seriously? Uh, he, he complains about everything. Well, I mean... 
You know, everybody's been pointing. What everybody's happens? been tweeting me. Look at what the players are saying. They didn't. They never said that about Kirk. Although what happens? Trent if, Williams did. What happens if the locker room? Uh, Not going to happen, Tom. What? No chance. What do you mean? No, no chance. No chance that Alex Smith, other than for injury, gets benched this year. Okay. It would be Lock a massive down. admission of failure at the highest levels, and they might as well just turn in their resignation when they do it. Because there's no way that the owner of this team is going to look at Bruce and Jay when they come in and say, hey, you know, uh, the, the locker room really feels better about Colt right now, so we're going to move to Colt. Really? Go ahead and do that. Uh, I'll also accept your resignations. Or this is a, a slip. It's it's pink. If oh, you yeah. didn't notice, you're be, out. Because the owner is so easily embarrassed. Oh, come on. You're not. You're, there's no chance Alex Smith gets benched okay. this year. Now, next year, no chance. when Bruce and Jay are gone, if the season doesn't go well, that's a totally different story, and they're locked into a four-year contract extension. I also just want to say this, though. After all of that, I think they're going to win Sunday. I really think they will win Sunday. There's something about this particular spot that they've been in in recent years, including this year. After the Colt game, back home against Packers, they beat the Packers. After Monday night, home, sort of home, against a Carolina team that has not lived up to expectations defensively. I know New Orleans wasn't very good defensively. Carolina right now is not very good defensively. They're giving up like 4.6 yards per carry. They're giving up you know yards. to uh, The Giants scored 31 against Carolina last week, I think this is a game that they win on Sunday. And I think what we'll see for the next several weeks are these inconsistencies, a good game, a bad game, and then hopefully you know, the quarterback and the coach get on the same page. And defensively, they've got to fix some things defensively in the secondary. But I give them a good chance of winning Sunday. I think it's going to be a smell test pick tomorrow. Tune yeah, in for that. I mean, I don't give them a good chance. I wouldn't be surprised if they won but I don't give them a good chance. They're, they're, you know they're they, favored. Uh, are they really? They're a one-point favorite. Are they really? Well, then no, somebody's not paying attention to what's oh, going go on. Go ahead. Try to at, beat at, Vegas. they smart guy. Someone's not paying attention to what's going on at Redskins Park this week. You mean Josh Norman? Yeah. Did you see what Ron Rivera said? Did you see that quote from Ron Rivera about Josh Norman? No. Rivera said, quote, we played a little different style of defense compared to what they're playing, and that's all I'll say about that. Josh has always been a terrific player in my eyes. For us, he did a great job, closed quote. The head coach of the team that they're playing on Sunday basically just took a shot at Greg Minuski. Yes, he did. He said, you're not A defensive using... guy, by the way, Ron Rivera. A, a defensive And uh, they played coach. Norman in a lot of zone. They played a ton of zone coverage. And Norman facing the quarterback and not having to run consistently with number one wide receivers performed well. In Carolina. I think he's lost a step, too. He wasn't fast to begin with. I think he's lost a step. You can see it. And here's where you can see it. You can see it when you see Moreau running with a receiver. He can run. And then you see Josh Norman running with a receiver. Well, and we asked Charlie Casserly about that yesterday. Yeah. And he said he's never been fast. And maybe he's well, you know, half step slower, look, too. This was a guy who was never who never got where he was based on his raw talent. He, he had to walk on to Coastal Carolina to play football for them. He's had an edge, and a then, competitive edge. And then he was a fifth-round pick right. by the Panthers. So he's all, always had to have st- – I mean, and, and you know, uh, Charlie Castley talked about his competitiveness. 
I mean, that's what's driven him so far. But if you're not the fastest guy, if you're not the if you're not the strongest guy, if you're not the combine guy, at some point when age catches up with you, that's going to show. Well, not only that, Tommy. It is. It's been his IQ, football IQ, and that competitive edge that has made him previously the player that he was, which was a good corner. Not the best corner in the league, probably not even a top three to five corner, but a really good NFL corner. You know, And maybe Ron Rivera's got a point. There are certain ways to play Josh to get the most out of him, and then in other ways, it's taking a chance. But the other night, Josh Norman was lost out there from an IQ perspective. On that touchdown pass, on that record breaker, he didn't know what defense they were in. And so one of the reasons he got benched coming out in the second half is because he wasn't playing smart football. He got wrapped up into the emotion and the whole football IQ thing that everybody has always said Josh Norman has, he didn't have. I I will say this. I I don't know how you feel, but all of the criticism that's come his way. First of all, Booger McFarland on the broadcast. And you missed what I I sort of slid that into the conversation five minutes ago, and you didn't respond to it. Well, because I actually thought that the Monday, I think the Monday night crew, I can't stand Tessitore, but I will say this about Jason Witten and McFarland, even though I don't consider them to be personalities or, you know, great broadcasters, they, Witten, his analysis is good during this game. He's pretty good at it with, in terms of his, his analysis. But what I was going to say is, I didn't want to get sidetracked, and I, I just did. You just is, wanted to stop to pat yourself on your back. No, I, wanted, I was curious why you didn't say, oh, you're now, now you like the Monday Night Football booth. And it's not that I like it. I just recognize that Witten does know what he's talking Kevin, about. Kevin, I can't stop so the car McFarlane. every five minutes for everything that you say <laughs> I got to go to the bathroom, Dad. <laughs> you know? I'm hungry, I, I and i got to go to the bathroom. I can't keep doing that. i got to let you hang yourself once in a while. Oh, you do it all the time. Um, so McFarland said not, Norman's not the best cornerback on the team. He's the third best cornerback on the team, I think is what he said. And then the D'Angelo Hall comments, you saw those, right? And which is what Charlie Castle said a week ago, right. that he's the third best cornerback. So on, D'Angelo on Hall sort of criticized him, said he was too Hollywood, he was too focused on other things. Um, Josh Norman's response, I think, to the Twitter thing that he got into with Michael Williams, where he essentially said, I can't do that, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. And then to D Hall, where he said, D Hall, I've always looked up to. You know, he's going through the whole thing. And yeah, I, you know, I am a little bit Hollywood. It's who I am. Um, when you push that button, you're going to get a response. You know, he was talking. I think he's actually handled this week well. I don't. I, I, there's something about Josh Norman. How many times have you sat with Josh Norman and in, just once? Him? Just once. Because we had him on the show the last two and a half years, probably four or five times in studio with us. Um, I think the dude's pretty smart. I think that he's pretty savvy. He may not physically be able to he, – he, that, that time may have passed. But I think – I'd be surprised if we don't get a little bit of a bounce back from Josh Norman here and, and much better play, much better leadership. This is going to be his last year in Washington, more likely than not. Yeah. Um, but I, I – I guess with all the things we were saying about Colt McCoy and Allen and Gruden and hot seats, this and that, I still am not throwing in the towel on this season and on some of the people that the fans are throwing the towel in on, like Josh Norman. I think we'll see better play from him. I think we'll see better play from the quarterback. I think the Redskins are going to be a competitive team most weeks. Where does that land? It may land on 8-8 eight and eight again, and it's not going to be good enough. You know, but what we saw Monday night, I bet you, is the aberration for the year. 
See, I don't think so. And, and again, I don't know how many times I have to say this. Who's going to run the ball? You keep uh, well. Right now, Adrian Peterson's going to run the with ball with a shoulder injury. He's fine, apparently. Well, well, what happens when he gets hit the first time? <laughs> well, you know what? He came back in the game after getting hit the other night. And how many yards did he have? Well, they got behind. You know, they okay. couldn't. St- Drew Brees. I don't know if you noticed. Had a pretty good night. Look at they. Uh, they, <laughs> don't, they don't have anyone besides Adrian Peterson to run the ball. So that the offense is going to be is in a nightmare. Sin- on the they verge, they haven't of had being, anybody to run the ball for three years. On the verge. Of, oh, but they had a quarterback who didn't need it. Yeah. Now they have a quarterback who needs it. He needs he needs a semblance of a running game. I will grant you that. Uh, one last thing before we get to uh, Brian McNally. In, um, on ESPN.com this morning, <clears throat> excuse me, that was a belch. Uh, this morning they put out. That was you. They put that out, wasn't me. I know. For the first time it was me, not you. Uh, they put out suggested trades that would work. And one of the trades was Le'Veon Bell to Washington for a 2019 third-round pick. Sign me up for that right oh, now. Oh, absolutely. There, there's no way that that would happen. <laughs> no. Why do the Steelers take that one when they, they can get they, the third-round pick from letting him walk? They wouldn't t- They wouldn't do that. Um, the Redskins are one of those teams that you could potentially look at if you're Le'Veon Bell and say, eh, you know, if they add me, you know, they might, you know, they got a chance here to be competitive in a division that can is easily and, winnable. And here's the other part. And got, I won't have to work as hard playing for this coach. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. they get days off. They yeah. get walkabout days. I mean, everybody around the league talks about <laughs> Camp J and how much fun it is. So, I mean, it's great. We get to stay up as late as we want <laughs> by the campfire. And yeah, we get I don't up. have to listen to Tomlin yell. No, at me all the time. <laughs> we don't do any work ever. Uh, in fact, after getting our ass kicked on Monday Night Football, we have a walkthrough on yes. Wednesday. Was That's it a walkthrough or a walkabout? <laughs> it was a walkabout. I think it was a walkabout. Uh, let me tell you about Window Nation. Uh, Window Nation right now, if you've been thinking about Windows, is the only place to call. It is a no-risk call. I beg you to call Window Nation if you've been thinking about Windows and at least get them to come out and give you a free estimate. There's no risk in doing it. Harley and uh, Harley and Aaron have been running Window Nation for years. They built it into the biggest and best window company in the country, servicing most of the major metro markets in the United States, and they've been huge in Washington for years. They are supporting this podcast venture, not out of the goodness of their heart, although that's part of it, but because we're providing leads for them. So if you're thinking about windows, call Window Nation, 86690Nation, windownation.com for a free quote. Now, Halloween's this month, Thanksgiving's next month, and we're not too far away from Christmas. Why do I tell you that? Because winter is coming. It's time to winterize your home with brand new Window Nation windows. Call them today. You'll save 50% off all styles of windows. Plus, no down payment required and no payments and no interest for one full year. There's more. If you purchase a house full of windows from Window Nation, they will pay your utility bills until your new windows are installed. 86690Nation or windownation.com by this Sunday. That's 86690Nation or windownation.com. Let's bring in Brian McNally from the Sports Capital, sportscapital.com. Uh, Todd Dibus, Ben Standig, and, and Brian started this venture, uh, I don't know, six months ago, seven months ago, something like that. It's a great site. Uh, you get a lot of information on all the local teams. Brian covers everything. He was at the Caps game last night. We'll ask him a little bit about that here. But I want to start with the Redskins, Brian. You know, I 
after a loss like that, everything's in play. I mean, not the switch of the quarterback, which Tommy and I were just talking about. There's no chance you're going to see Colt McCoy this year. <laughs> but everything's in play with respect to, you know, locker room issues, infighting, the season starting to spiral out of control. You cover this team. Do you have any sense that that kind of loss could really derail a season that just a couple of weeks ago after beating the Packers held so much promise? I, I don't know about derail, Kevin. I, I would say what it does is kind of put a cap on, on the ceiling of, of where this team can go. I mean, if, if you go on the road against the what was a playoff team last year, with what if we can all say absolutely should have been a team that was at, at the very least in the NFC title game, if not for a, a, a fluke play, in the loss to the Vikings, you know, if, if you can't even be competitive on, on that ground, there has to be a bigger picture question of, of where are we here? Like what, what are, are, are you literally just, have you run into that classic NFL trap of just a seven and nine, eight and eight team. And, and you're not going to be able to break through with this, this group of players. I mean, look, look at your star players, look at your best guys, Kerrigan, Jordan Reed, Trent Williams, um, Josh Norman should be in that group, although he's not playing like it. Uh, if you put all those guys together, you're, you're getting a lot of guys in the 29, 30, 31 range, and then you start to wonder, how viable is this? Are you ever going to have your breakthrough? So I, I don't necessarily look at a loss on the road to the Saints on its own as season over, it's going to be a 4-12 and season, but it certainly has to, to bring up bigger questions about where you're going as a franchise. Um, regardless of whether you're in first place in what's been a uh, a pretty mediocre division so far this year. How much of what happened Monday night, and even to the Colts for uh, to a certain degree, is on coaching? There was confusion once again in the secondary that led to big plays, and you've got some talent defensively. You had an offense that couldn't move the football and couldn't score points against one of the worst defenses in the league going into the game and there was a lot of discussion as to why they didn't target Jordan Reed more you know why the quarterback was so awful and so off the other night how much of that gets put into the poor coaching category I mean I think a lot of it Jay Gruden took uh took a lot of the brunt of that and and put coaching as uh you know that that he admitted we me and my staff have to be better um it was he was pretty blunt about it now maybe that's the you can be cynical about that and just say that's the natural self-flogging that, go, that any coach in the NFL does after uh, after an embarrassing loss. But, it, I mean, in this case, the communication issues have to be um, – the coaches have to take some of that on themselves. I mean, I, the way Jay phrased it was very strong. I mean, look, he benched Josh Norman, right, and he phrased it after the game uh, about essentially talking about the, the touchdown pass against Green Bay, which went for – 60-plus yards, and, and the same thing that happened in the New Orleans game. Both appeared to be um, Josh Norman uh, mess-ups. Uh, you can maybe argue about the Green Bay one as, as just a miscommunication. Either way, the secondary is not on the same page. Uh, doesn't, doesn't that have to, by definition, fall at the feet of Greg Minuski if guys are not doing what they're doing? If there's another example in the Saints game of Fabian Moreau apparently not realizing what defense they're in because – He's the only guy who doesn't do what everybody else does. Um, you know what? That stuff to me does fall on on coaching and the organization too. I mean, you you're the one that went in and relied on 
it's a little complicated because if Josh Norman is the one not playing well, okay, that's uh, that's a, a bigger problem. But they went into the into the year with young players, really young players, at a position that uh, is kind of getting exposed right now and that's having trouble staying on the same page. Um, a lot of rookies and first and second year guys out there. That's on the organization, right? That's on the, the people who put this thing together. And they're not getting much help from the coaching staff when you're making mistakes like that. And the players take some blame, too, obviously. They're the ones out on the field making the mistakes. But uh, to me, the, the coaching staff has to be a, a big part of this and, and kind of a, a huge red flag um, coming out of that game. You know, Jay Gruden talked about this thing about a cloud hanging over them right now uh, this week. And uh, I'm just curious, not just coaching, but big picture totally. Do you think that Jay Gruden possibly believes that they have deeper problems in this organization, problems that he didn't think that they would have, and he's sort of caught by surprise as to how bad things really might be? (laughs) You know, Chase generally, and, and you know him, Tommy, you talk to him enough, where he's generally a positive guy about that kind of stuff. He's, he's usually not going to uh, – no, he's blunt, but, you know, he's never, got, he's never gotten to that kind of dark place uh, where he's kind of questioning everything they do, and um, at least publicly. You know, again, he'll, he'll be blunt about guys who aren't playing well. He called the, the, the touchdown pass an embarrassment. Um, so he, he will be critical and – and harsh when he needs to. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure I've heard him go that far yet. Um, you know, he's he, and he's done it before. I remember that he kind of offhandedly uh, made fun of the, uh, you know, the Brandon. I think it was the Brandon Sheriff draft where he, you know he said something about oh, yeah. you know they they got me a guard or something like that. It was uh, a Pro uh, Bowl yeah. guard. Uh, it's a really uh, good player, but yeah. he has taken shots when he's when he's deemed it necessary. That or, was a shot at McLuhan. Uh, yeah. Right, that was, that, that was definitely right. a shot at McLuhan. No question. Now, and he's gone, obviously. So maybe, maybe things are in a different place for Jay. And Jay's the one that essentially won. I don't know if you'd call that a uh, um, a battle for power, but if it was, Jay certainly is the one who won because he's the one that got the, left Indianapolis that year with the contract extension, and Scott McLuhan was uh, gone from the organization within days. So, um, in that sense, he's he's not afraid to call things out when he thinks that's the case and I don't think he's gotten to that place yet doesn't mean if they lose to Carolina in embarrassing fashion that that won't start to uh to creep in because I think at that point even at two and three you know normal NFL teams don't panic if you see over overarching panic or a sense that things aren't going well and an overreaction I think that will tell you more than anything about uh, what the coaching staff thinks about the kind of internal stuff going on you know kevin brian is the one who broke the whole McLuhan thing by by reporting he was the only one to first report that he was not at the combine which set off the whole wave well he was at his on. he was at the grandmother's funeral yeah that, that had that passed died away four, six months <laughs> earlier yeah. but yeah. brian was the one who broke that and 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 initially from the organization they pushed back uh, but uh, brian was the one who was on top of that i mean i i still I still find it 
unbelievable that Bruce Allen thinks that we wouldn't have looked up on the internet when the grandmother passed away. Like, um, I mean, I mean within, you talk about a dude like seriously. 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah you, talk, you talk about a guy, and this is going to sound overly critical, but it's actually just who he is, that when it comes to media, is stuck in 1979 with his father, 75 with his father coaching. Uh, seriously, I mean, he, the, the, he, he, has n- he had no clue that that would be found out in, in less than... 10 minutes. But anyway, um, I, you know, in listening to you speak, I just think about Sunday as, first of all, a game that will have no juice to it for the fans after Monday night. I mean, if we thought that the indie game had no juice and then, you know, the Packer game was, what, 50% Packer fans at FedEx Field, and thank God for that because the stadium would have been half empty without the Packers as an opponent. And then you, get the, you get the Panthers in here on Sunday, a team, by, by the way, that they have struggled with. They haven't beaten the, uh, Carolina with Cam Newton. No. I think they're 0 Five for 4. Oh, in oh, a row, f- and one of them was a horrendous beatdown in Charlotte a couple of years ago. That yes. One of, the, one of the worst losses of the Gruden era, I think. That was in Carolina was a 15 and one team that year, right? That was their 15 and one season. And uh, I think Andre Roberts had one of the touchdowns on a kickoff return, (laughs) but um, you know, and it it also featured that Monday night game, you know, in, in 2000, uh, in 2016, when they sort of needed it at home, Cam is, is played well against them, but there's going to be no juice for this game, which means it is vitally important to get a win because the Cowboys at home are the following week. You can't – a 2-3 and three record with Dallas coming to town. I'm telling you, they're going to win this game. They're, 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 they're favored, which makes no sense at all. They will figure out a way to win the game and keep everybody you know, at least interested going into that Dallas game. You see, my instincts tell me that Jay Gruden has looked around and said, oh, my God, where did we – how did we get this bad? How did things happen this quickly? I think I think there's a sense of panic setting in. <laughs> well, there will be on Monday or late Sunday if they don't beat Carolina. Last thing, Brian, and we'll let you go. Actually, two more things because I want to ask you about the Caps real quickly since you were there last night. Um, the Alex Smith performance was stunning, stunningly horrible. Uh, it was not from Alex Smith anything we've seen from him recently because he's been on good teams. He's had really good teams around him in Kansas City and, and even before that in San Francisco. Do you have any sense that there that this was a head scratcher to Jay Gruden, to Matt Cavanaugh, to teammates, to Bruce and everybody? Any sense as to what the reaction was to what really was maybe the one of the worst quarterback performances we've seen in the NFL this year? Yeah, I, I think exactly what you said, Kevin. Head scratcher because you haven't seen. Look, if it's if this is 2011 and Alex Smith has kind of, you know, come through the fire in San Francisco, okay, I'm sure you can find plenty of performances like this, right? But not since, not really since even his last years in San Francisco where they were a, a good team and, and Colin Kaepernick just kind of swiped his job. It wasn't like he was playing, you know, terribly at that time. Uh, and then in Kansas City, we really haven't, maybe you can point to individual games, but Overall, the body of work has been there the last couple of years. He's not necessarily a guy. They, look, they can't fall behind in these games. You can't be fall, you know, thirteen and three. He's not gonna, he's not gonna use his arm and pass you back into the game. Um, and I think there is some some frustration. You know, why isn't Jordan Reed being targeted more? Our defense is taking him away. Is there some quarterback, tight end thing going on that that Alex isn't 
um, isn't trusting him enough or, or putting the ball in, in place where Jordan can get it? I, that's, those are all fair, legitimate questions. I, I don't know the answer to them, um, but I think head-scratcher is the perfect way to describe that because uh, it, it, really the whole game, I mean, it's not just like the Maurice Harris play that everybody saw. He was wide open and just Alex inexplicably didn't see him, and then when he did see him, it was it was way, way too late, and you had that killer interception in a game that had already gotten away from them. But um, I, I think the hope is that in and of itself was an anomaly, and they'll be able to figure it out, you know, against Carolina. They'll go to – you know, they scored 31 against Green Bay. Like, there's, there's enough here. Um, the hope is that was just a one-off thing in the dome against a, a, a hyped-up uh, team and crowd against a really good team. But if it happens again, and you start, and you start getting the uh, the hurricane flags ready, right? And you start getting the red flags and start hoisting. Code, that's, code red, that's baby. Code red again. You know what? Sunday no Sunday should be a Jay Gruden code red well, game. Well, maybe code orange. <laughs> code orange. Code orange. Uh, real quickly, Tommy says the Caps are better this year than they were at the end of last year. Do you agree with that? I, I think they uh, – T.J. Oshie said this preseason. That he said – in the playoffs, we found a level to our game and sustained it, uh, and, and he didn't see that changing this year. He thought they could not necessarily keep up that intensity, but keep up that standard, if you want to call it that, when a championship team kind of finds its equilibrium, and I think they are absolutely uh, there. Not, not perfect. I think defensively they still you know, maybe got uh, some rust to shake off, but Offensively, I mean, how can you argue with this? Uh, seven goals, six goals, five goals. Uh, the stars are all playing well. They're playing uh, with that same kind of, uh, you know, smother the other team. Not not necessarily the Pittsburgh game, but these certain these these last two or the, the two other games they've played. Uh, so yeah, I, I think they are. And if if Kuznetsov, if Evgeny Kuznetsov really does have another level to his game, as kind of everybody across the board has asserted if he is a 90 to 100 point player um you know first of all you're talking about one of the top five players in the league uh for sure and if you get those kind of performances even semi-consistently um you know this team absolutely is in play to uh not only be a contender but to to repeat again because that was what he did last night was just a clinic it was absolutely amazing to watch how often does Alex Ovechkin get overshadowed in a two-goal game? Almost never. Right. I don't think I've ever seen it. Um, the lead was Kuznetsov last night because that's uh, that was as good a performance as I can remember from from him. Uh, and and that's a guy that had a four-point game in the cup uh, cup final in Game Four last year. So yeah, that's just amazing. The the level they can get to if he takes his game up even another notch at age 26. Uh, off the charts, guys. It was it was amazing to watch. Brian, he's, he's the game changer. He is. Absolutely. Yeah, he Bro- is. Brian, he thanks is. so much. Uh, the sportscapital.com for all of Brian's work, along with Todd and, and Ben Standig, and also Brian writes for NHL.com, so follow him there as well. Thanks, as always. Really good to catch up. Thank you, Brian. Kevin, Tom, anytime. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Brian McNally uh, from the Sports Capital. Those guys are doing a great job. Uh, Farish Chrysler Dodge Jeep does a great job. Every single time they sell a car 
or service a car. I've been friends with Ralph Perkins for over a decade, Kevin Farish as well. Um, they advertised on 980 with us as the title sponsor for when we did Redskins at 1 on the Sports Fix, Redskins at 8 with Cooley and Kevin. Uh, they have followed us here and are supporting this podcast venture. Uh, I ask you to support them as well if you're thinking about something new. If you're thinking about something new, give Farish, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Fairfax a shot. If you like this show, um, I give you my word. You will be happy if you call Ralph uh, Ralph Perkins and head out to Farish in Fairfax. Right now, they've got plenty of inventory with everything they're selling. You're going to get... Uh, Every make, model, and color on the lot, you'll be able to drive it home. They're really good deals right now. Any Jeep right now, you will save big. They're located right there in Fairfax Circle. Ask for Ralph when you get there. Tell him that I sent you. You can also find out everything Farish has right now in stock, including live inventory and pricing at FarishCars.com. That's Farish, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep in Fairfax, right there in Fairfax Circle, or FarishCars.com. Time to bring in Scott Van Pelt, who joins us every Thursday on this podcast. Um, You watched the Monday night game. You followed the Monday night broadcast. Um, What did you make of the Redskins' performance? I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a crazy question. Um, the penalty after the Kerrigan sack. If they don't get that penalty, are you willing to believe it could have been a different game? I'm not, and I, I said as much. It was t- they were so bad defensively, confused, poorly coached, and the quarterback had honestly one of the worst quarterbacking performances of the season. So I don't think it would have made one bit of difference. Okay, fair enough. I, you did, I, it sounds I like. I don't No, I, I, I asked the question just because I was curious what you thought. I, to, I don't believe it, it, it would have necessarily. I just, it, it felt like that's where, the game, that's where the game totally got away, even though, yeah, they got a TD before the half and whatever else. They just, they just they weren't, seemed like they were just there to be on the field for the breeze party. Um, which, by the way, why the NFL gave him that laminated piece of paper, I'll never understand. That was one of the strangest <laughs> things I've ever seen. It I was, mean, it was hey, cool. very odd. Like, they ha- handed what to is, him by what, the, what the head that? official. Yeah, like, like it was something somebody, somebody's kid made in class, <laughs> and they laminated it. And the guy just threw for the most yards in history. It's like, oh, yeah, here you go. Oh, here's the thing that we made for you. Like, yeah, you know what, what it was that? like? It was, it was like when you check your coat and you get a ticket. <laughs> right. It was like put it this way. It was like many things, none of which were you just became the all time leading passion in the history of the NFL. But no, I mean look, the Redskins all the things you said, they 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 looked lost. Smith was constantly under duress and, and, and even when he wasn't the throws were all off and it they it was Drew Drew Brees and that team and that and that window of Monday night games has been spectacular over the years. The Redskins have been awful and it's just I don't know, it was one of those nights where I think a lot of people in D.C. were were excited. I mean, look, the, the NFC East is a bit of a mess, and you're thinking, man, you get this one? Look, we're cooking with, cooking with gas here. Oh, no, no, actually, we just got our ass kicked. Yeah, badly. Um, real quickly on, on Drew Brees' night, um, the, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of Redskin fans thought it was just over the top throughout the broadcast. You know, here's a full screen Chiron comparing him to all the other all time greats. Here's another discussion about all of his numbers. Here we're going to go back and show you the record breaker. We're in the third quarter. And I actually, I actually said, look, you didn't have a competitive game. What else were you going to do? 
you know, on, on a broadcast, but talk about the reason that actually a lot of people even tuned in that night. Yeah, yeah, I, I, and that's true. I mean, in and, and any broadcast, and whether it's us or NBC or Fox, um, NFL Network, whomever, if you have a blowout in a game, the broadcasters are doing, it's called fill. You're just looking to fill the time with some conversation that, that because you have very much, you have very little in front of you that is compelling. But in this instance, not only were you in a film mode, but you were in a film mode on a night of where history was made. And because of his history, which is interesting given, you know, the, the fact that he had this the major surgery and given being in Miami and, you know, all the different intersections of, you know, Saban that could have, like, I don't know if you, even know if they got into those things of what might have been if. But I think Breeze's story is interesting, being the undersized guy, not being from Central Casting, the big 6'4 guy with a bazooka. All of those things are compelling. And in, in the absence of a game to talk about, I don't know what Redskins fans would have preferred they did. Talk about how horrible the Redskins look? No, no, that's true. But another quick thing on, on Breeze, because I haven't talked to Tommy about this either, so this is for both of you. I... I on, on the podcast on Monday, I did this thing where I said, look, Drew Brees is a first ballot cinch Hall of Famer. He's one of the great quarterbacks of all time. He's certainly one of the great quarterbacks of this era. But a lot of the conversation that day, you know, and even, you know, afterwards is that somehow, you know, where does he rank? Is he the greatest of all time? I find that conversation to be ludicrous. He's not anywhere near the greatest of all time. Tommy, you agree with that, right? Yeah, I do. Well, one of the things when they posted the list of the top you know, uh, yardage of, of, of the most yards passing. The fact to me that Dan Marino, who hasn't played in 18 He's years, still. is still in the top five is really all you need to know about who should really be uh, at the top of that you and list. I have, uh, you and I feel the same way about Marino, right? We, we, I consider him to be one of the four or five greatest I ever watched. Yes. And the whole Super Bowl thing to me is yes. a limited conversation. I mean, he is still on that list. Yes. You know, I, he, he had to drive at 55 miles an hour when everybody else today is driving on the Audubon. I mean. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's well put. And, and I, but the, here's the thing. I, I think we can all be smart enough to know that, that Breeze accomplishes something during an era. And I made these points on the show the other night. And I kept, and I said at one point, these sound like I'm being disparaging, and I am not. I'm just trying to provide context. He's, he's played half his games indoors for 13 years in New Orleans. He's playing in an era where passing is, is, is it's easier than it's ever been. Um, his every his pass per his yards per pass is like twentieth, and it's tied with guys like Matt Schaub and Dante Culpepper. And I think you can understand that he has been a great quarterback by any reasonable measure, uh, a quarterback who's given a franchise an identity and a chance. But that doesn't you don't have to say because he's on top of a list that he's the best quarterback of all time because both things can be true at the same time. Well, and in using sort of the era and the Autobahn, you know, versus, you know, no Autobahn have to drive 55 miles per hour, um, is that you do have, in most people's opinions, in this era of, of Autobahn driving, you do have two of the greatest four or five that's ever played, Peyton Manning and, and, and Tom Brady. But Drew Brees, as we've all watched as football fans, we consider him to be an all-time great, but not at that level. 
He's not Brady. He's not Manning. For Tommy you know, and I, could, he's not Marino. He's not Elway. You could make the same not case close about, to about Manning. Manning played half of his game indoors as well. well and, and, and in uh, the same I, era. So you could make the same case argument Manning against, played the position differently than, than Drew Brees, though. It was different. Peyton, nobody's right. ever... He was, he was, the, he was, the, he was the, um, the conductor. I mean, he, nobody... Of all time. Been. I know that. I, I, right. I know. Well, you've got to remember, they you, were all conductors when, when Unitas and Sonny played. The quarterback was the sure. conductor, period. True. So... I, I agree, I, but and I, but I. And while we're on this greatest of all time discussion, I mean, to <laughs> me, I, nobody. And I, I watched Sonny. I, I watched United. I was more of a kid, but watching the way Manning played at the line of scrimmage, to me, I don't believe I've ever seen a quarterback who, who literally was in charge of the entire unit the way he was. So he's different in that way. Again, I just I feel like you don't have to disparage Breeze by saying he's been great. Um, look, if if we're going to use that as the, as the arbiter, I mean, Matthew Stafford is going to probably break that record at some point if he plays long enough. He'll throw for more yards than anybody. Yeah. And then, when, then what will we say? Exactly. Well, I'm actually a Stafford fan, but I would, wouldn't put him in the you breeze not category. Gonna, you know who's um, not going to break that record? Who? Alex Smith. He's probably not going to break, gonna break that, record. that record. Oh, God. He was terrible the other night, Scott. He was so bad. And, you know... I, I get a lot. I take a lot of heat for you know being a Cousins fan from what I believe to be a very loud minority in this town. Um, but you know, Tommy, I don't know if you told me this because I don't want to give you credit for something you didn't say. Uh, but I may, probably did. Or say maybe it. maybe Tony said this, and I'm just getting you and Tony. <laughs> I'm just getting you and Tony confused. But you know, most quarterback controversies are quarterback quarterback controversies between two quarterbacks on the same team. That's not what's going on here. And anybody that, that tries to poo-poo this in any way because they don't like Kirk Cousins is out of their mind. People are going to p- compare in this town Alex Smith to Kirk Cousins every single weekend of this year. Tommy, am I right? Absolutely. I, I mean, that's the, the quarterback The referendum contra- continues. The referendum continues. <laughs> yes. And, and, and old, old number eight is killing it in yeah. Minnesota with the worst run game in the league, uh, I wanted to also mention before we move to uh, another discussion, perhaps about college football, that the Redskins are favored on Sunday over Carolina. You saw that, right? Of course. Yeah. So tell everybody what that means. Act accordingly. It means that the, it means that the Redskins would, would appear to be a side that would be worth uh, backing. Yeah, I've already backed them. I'm, I'm on them to win the game. Uh, all right, let's talk. Let's talk some college football. LSU Georgia this week. I mean, the, the for them it's Florida, it's Georgia, Mississippi State, and then Alabama right in a row. Um, we both know what it's like in Baton Rouge. It's not a night game. It's a 3.30 game on Saturday. But still, do you give LSU after they lost to Florida? And you know how much I've loved Florida all year long. I think they've got the best defense in college football. I, I think it might be even better than Alabama's defense. But how much of a chance do you give to LSU to upend Georgia? And part two of that, real quickly, is why – is Georgia in sort of their own quarterback controversy situation? I haven't followed that, and I'd like you to update uh, update me on that. Uh, well, first part is uh, LSU's. Um, it, it, if it were at night, it'd be better for them, just because that place is be is really hard to even capture in words and describe. It it's really, it's just different, man. It really is. Uh, I, I think I think LSU's got 
a shot for sure. Uh, I think it's clearly the biggest test for Georgia this year, and, and it will be interesting. Um, and, and it will be the only test for Alabama prior to the SEC title game, which is its own sort of – you didn't ask me about it, but the, I don't even watch Alabama. Like, I don't watch them play. They're, they're so good that it's too good. They, they don't play football. Like, they don't have to play games. The second half, two a plays a half, and that's it. Well, and part of it, too, is they, just, they haven't – on the road. Isn't part of it, though, on Alabama is that we just haven't seen them tested or even perceived that they could be tested and will feel differently when they go to Baton Rouge in early November? Sure, but that so that means that so that means that uh, the number one team in the country has one game to play before the SEC title game. I mean, all I'm saying is, even in years when they've been excellent, when they went on the road to Ole Miss, right? They then it was like, oh, this is a game. Well, Mississippi beat them two years in a row. Ole Miss scored the first play of the game this year and then gave up 62 straight points, 62 to Alabama. Like again, they were a 35 point favorite against Arkansas. Is part of that that Arkansas is down? Yes, but I think that this is by far the best Bama team that they've had. So that when they go to LSU, if Georgia's seven-point favorite, what's Alabama going to be? Ten? Oh, like, they're going to be a double-digit favorite in Baton Rouge. They are going to be crazy. You're, you're so, right. You're right. They're going to be. You know so, what? They're going to be a fourteen-point favorite in Baton Rouge minimum. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking it'll probably be fourteen points, but just given the way Alabama's played this year. But I mean, as for this Saturday and as for Georgia, like it'll be the best test that Georgia's had, and they. They they had this situation, and, and this is, I'm, I don't even know if people in D.C. that are listening to this, although you are global, but I don't even know if people are interested. But the backstory from the quarterbacks at Georgia is they had this five-star kid named Eason who was from Washington, and he got hurt last year, and then the kid Jake Fromm replaced him. Eason realized, I'm never going to get on the field again. He transferred back to, to Washington. He'll be at University of Washington next year. Then they get this kid, Justin Fields, another five-star quarterback, who was like the coveted prize of the recruiting class. He's there, too. And I think Kirby Smart's got a challenge-slash-problem, just like Dabo had at Clemson, which is what do you do with the kid that is the five-star guy that's clearly got talent? But if you've got a guy in Jake Fromm who got you to the title game... And played well. good. Yeah, of course he had, and he has this year. But there's, you know... There's the little bit with, like, the fan base, like, man, you know, the, you like the new shiny new car. There's a little bit about, you know, what you, who knows what you had to promise the five-star. And I'm not talking about, like, they cheated. I'm talking about who knows what you said in terms of, like, you're going to start or you're going to get a chance to start. And the kids start to, like, think, man, I want to go somewhere around the guy. I mean, I, I don't know any of that. I just don't know how you manage it. So it, it's actually – it isn't a problem. I mean, it's, it's just a, it's a wealth of uh, options. But it is – Excuse me. It is interesting to to kind of keep an eye on that dynamic. It, it is like is Kirby looking for a, a window where Fromm has a couple three and outs, and you just put Fields out there and go. I don't know. We're just going to have to ride with this guy. I don't know any of that. Uh, well, just, me, these these are all the background stories with them. Kevin, uh, tell me if I'm wrong on this. Can't you trade him for some draft picks? You could potentially do that. <laughs> Was Josh Fields a higher ranked quarterback? Scott is a true recruiting nerd. I okay. mean, he knows all this. Was Josh Fields a higher? Justin, right? Justin. Was Justin Fields, I'm sorry about that. Was Justin Fields a higher ranked prospect than Trevor Lawrence? They were 1 and 1A. One they were both top five players in the class, both five star guys. Depends on which recruiting class. I have one guy that's 
it's a recruit make tell me that Lawrence is the best quarterback I've scouted in the last 25 years. And then there are others that prefer Fields. The thing about Fields that, that's wild is how big he is. He's got a lot of, um, I guess, I guess Cam Newton is, the, is the, com, the, the comparison you could make. You could make Tebow, too. I just hate when we compare players. And if you're a white guy and you're a shooter, you're Larry Bird. You know, I just, I don't like, you don't have to, they don't have to be along racial lines, but right. he's big and he's fast and he has a big arm. Well, I mean, there's, there's white quarterbacks that are like that, too. But Fields is bigger than I, than I knew he was. And so, um, I mean, he, his talent's obvious, but again, Fromm's been really good also. So, um, you know, they were they were both considered to be great. And how about this, Kevin? The 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 the, the three teams in the playoff that didn't lose their quarterback. OU lost theirs to the to the number one pick in the NFL draft. They replaced him with this guy Murray, who's been great. Clemson had the incumbent return. He got replaced by a freshman. Um, Alabama had the incumbent return. He got replaced by Tua, who replaced him in the title game. And Georgia's got a guy who's back as well, and they've got not a controversy, but you've got another guy right there that people are like, well, maybe this guy should do it. It's incredible that that's the level we're talking about in terms of recruiting. Well, it's just an embarrassment of riches for these top schools that get all of the top prospects. I mean, we've gotten into that, you know, almost 80-20 rule where, you know, 20% of, of the of the schools get 80% of the top prospects, or, or perhaps yeah, it's even got, more. We might have, we might be headed towards. If it, if it's not a problem, it'll definitely be a topic. It'll be a topic for you. It'll be a topic for us. Which is this: if it's only Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State in Georgia that are in the playoff discussion every year, do people just get bored? Yes, that's why they're going to have like, to go to eight. We're going to have yes, to see an eight. I agree with that a hundred percent. I mean, I'm already because you've got to have a Cinderella. I'm already, I'm already dreading if it's Alabama, Clemson. Ohio State. Again. It'll seem now we both know because we played this game every year of looking at all the potential unbeatens and then things just happen. They do every year. You know, Notre Dame of could course. easily go to the Coliseum in, in on Thanksgiving weekend and lose to SC, who will probably be a better team at that point than they've been so far. And you know what? I'm not I'll be honest with you, I'm not blown away by Haskins. I, I don't I've wa- I watched him up close at that Penn State game the, that night. I thought he looked rattled at times. They just have great playmakers, you know, and they've got a great coach that just figures out how to get the the ball into the hands of those playmakers. But you know, JT Barrett struggled throwing the ball. I don't think Haskins looks like a, a guaranteed lock first round NFL quarterback. I don't think that at this point. So it, them losing to Michigan to me is not off the table. Things things will happen. It would be nice to get somebody that we're not even thinking of right now. I mean, everybody's thinking about Notre Dame. Who else could potentially make a run in into that uh in, into that playoff that we're not even counting on. I mean, I, you know I love Florida, but they're not beating Alabama in an SEC championship game, so that completely discounts them as a possibility. But there still could be two SEC teams, and the second would more likely than not be Georgia. I guess, but the, Notre Dame's Notre Dame's inter- interesting just because they, they would come at the expense of, of, I assume, an SEC team. I mean, it, you never know, but... That's the way it looks now. How things it's 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 right right now that the, the group of people is obviously Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame. Those are the obvious ones. And then you know LSU's loss hurts them, but they they get Georgia, they get Alabama, they they could they could certainly get back in the mix. I'm trying to figure out 
does OU's loss mean that the Big 12 is just bleep out of luck again? Yes. Um, what, what, the, the what about – the, the perception of the Pac-12 is so bad, and Washington lost early in the year to Auburn. And now, if it turns out Auburn's not that good, then people are going to hold that loss against him even more. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the route is for the Pac-12 to get a team in, into the discussion. Um, so it's like, there's, are we talking about two conferences that right now are going to have a hard time even getting a seat at the table? It, it seems like it, but I mean, obviously things could change. It's just, it's just, it's just it's the same teams, and it's the same teams that have such a monstrous. Uh, an obvious advantage over the people that they're playing on a weekly basis that that's that's a that's becoming I think a challenge slash problem for the sport. I, I mean, you re- you really do have to get some of these teams to lose games to even think about a West Virginia. Like, what if West Virginia runs the table? Yeah, Beto- you know what? No, there you go. That's the one, I, and, I'm, and I'm and I'm forgetting that. And Greer's an excellent quarterback. And he is a good quarterback. Game, sure, absolutely, absolutely. They they they're the team, and and and. And uh, I, I was wrong to just forget them because they haven't lost yet, um, and they they could they could certainly do it. They could certainly do it. Look, um, there there are but, one loss teams that you haven't even mentioned yet. I mean, what if Michigan ran the table, beat Ohio State, um, and you know they're sitting there as a one loss team if other teams sure. lose? I mean, it, sure, but I, I watched them. I've watched them play. A I know. I agree. I agree on in that. In a row, and I just like I don't think they're that good. They're they're pretty limited offensively. Their O line's not that good. Their defense is re- ridiculous i mean it's as good as anybody in the country you know who but, is like, good and we beat them texas is good right now yeah i mean yeah. they in one of the reasons they play defense i mean i know that it was a shootout with oklahoma but they actually have defensive speed and defensive talent that's why i i, I keep coming back to them but that's why i love florida there's not a team i've watched in the country that is faster on defense than florida is they just can't score yeah, but they're so limited offensively. They are, you, you know. You just it, it, that. That's the thing. That's the thing with Alabama that, that I don't even know if people get it because we're not seeing them play the whole game. This is the best offensively they've been under Saban ever. No and doubt. By a mile, by a mile. Yep. They're better, and they're still gross on defense. Like they still got a bunch of first round dudes on defense. I mean, hell, all the guys that don't play for the Redskins still play for Alabama, <laughs> and and they're they're nuts. And then two is out there just throwing like to wide open dudes. If he played full games, he'd score eighty points. Uh, they, but he doesn't. It's scary how much how much better offensively Alabama is right now than they've ever been under Saban. With that said, they gave up a bunch of points to a horrible Arkansas team, and the number on Saturday is twenty nine, which actually now for Alabama seems light against Missouri. Yeah, yeah and that quarterback for them, um, Drew Locke. Yeah, Locke is. Uh, I've watched him play a bunch. NFL. Yeah, without question. Like the game they had against Georgia, they should have won that game. Of, well, could have. Did you say should have? I'll buy could have. Well, they, it was the turnovers and the block punt, and they just they they, they it was self inflicted most of it. It was. There's no doubt. But those those things like that that discounts the fact that Georgia was actually the ones doing them. You know what I mean? Like I they, gotcha. they got the strip fumble, they got the block. What I'm saying is, in that game, they were competitive against Georgia, and I think that Locke's the kind of guy that gives them uh, a chance to, to to score some points and hang around. But Bama tends to, to, to like Arkansas stinks. So 
So, like, that's the kind of game where maybe human nature sets in. Human, like, Saban won't let human nature set in a week after they gave up 35 to Arkansas against a good player. You know, that, that would be, right. be the scary thing. It would be a painful side to be on on Saturday. <laughs> but real quickly, because you release winners tonight, just give me uh-huh. a couple of the games that you're looking at. I would assume that Virginia might interest you. Yeah, Virginia at home against Miami feels like one of those spots. Memphis Def- at home against Central Florida it definitely feels like a – a spot worth uh, worth keeping an eye. I mean, that's a really that's a really good offense. And UCF, UCF's good, and they're good again. That kid, remember he, his first start was against Maryland, the yep. kid Milton from out of Hawaii, um, and he's 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 really really good. Um, but but that that league is that that score will be in the in the mid forties, and and you and Memphis is capable of, of hanging around in that one. So. Couple of couple of home dogs there. Uh, it's not a it's not a week where I love a hundred games, which is which is odd because normally I'm having a hard time paring it down. This week this week it doesn't feel like there's quite as many. Yeah, I know you don't even look at favorites, but I I can't figure out how Southern Cal should be a seven point favorite over unbeaten Colorado. I, I agree. No, I there's listen, there's a couple favorites this week that are that are on the possibility, and certainly USC is one of them because you're right. Colorado is unbeaten, and and USC's given a number that you're like, wait, what's that? Yeah, that's that's got, that's got thirty eight seventeen written all over it. Um, uh, you and I think the same. Well, we I, we've done that uh, for a while together. All right, uh, thank you. I, I was going to ask you about Jimmy Butler and what he did yesterday, but we'll save that for another time. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Scott. Good Good to talk to you. Have a good day, Tommy. Scott Van Pelt, everybody. Uh, Let's get to our weekly NFL Power Poll. Oh, boy. (laughs) Rank them one to five. It's time for our weekly NFL Power Poll. All right, Tommy, we'll do a top five and a couple of teams to keep an eye on. Uh, My number one, I'll go go five to one this week. Is that what we've been doing? I think that's what we've been doing. Yes, we have. Uh, my number five team are the Baltimore Ravens. I'm going to keep them in the top five. I know they lost to Cleveland. Cleveland's very good on defense. God, they're a good defensive team. Yet, yeah, they did. They gave up 45 to the Raiders the week before. Um, but there were a lot of turnovers in, the, in that game. Baker Mayfield is a bit of a turnover machine here early. Uh, I like Baltimore to bounce back. Um, on Sunday against Tennessee. That game is on the road as well. They're a three-point favorite. I think they bounce back, win that game. I still see the Ravens as a complete football team, a complete football team that will win 11 games and win the NFC North. They're my number five team in the NFL. My number four team in the NFL, Tommy, the New Orleans Saints are the number four team. I think I had them in my top five last week, and you didn't. Uh, I believe that's the way it went. The Saints right now are just so good offensively with so many weapons uh, at every turn. With Ingram back, now they've got a power back to go with Alvin Kamara, to go with Michael Thomas. Uh, we didn't even see Ted Ginn Jr. the other night. I don't know when we'll see him, and I don't know if I even put him into that class. But they've got the best quarterback right now in the NFC. Right now, Drew Brees is the best quarterback in the NFC, and I think the Saints are the team right now in the NFC you would look at as maybe the team that will face the Rams in the NFC Championship game. Right now, if you were to project, hey, let's guess on the NFC Championship game, I might say Rams-Saints. My number three team are the Kansas City Chiefs. I will tell you this, and Charlie Casserly told us this yesterday, I do not believe in them defensively at all. 
And Jacksonville, I'm glad Charlie brought this up because when we went around the NFL on Monday, I said the the this final score was not indicative of Jacksonville's defensive performance against Kansas City. It was Bortles turning the ball over five times that lost the game. Jacksonville did some good things against Mahomes and Kansas City. Mahomes had two, intercept, two interceptions right. in that game, I no know. touchdowns. Uh, I do. Uh, I'm going to put Kansas City there because they're undefeated uh, at five and zero. But I actually think that in the AFC, they're the third best team, maybe the fourth best team in the AFC. I like New England better. I like Baltimore better, and to a certain degree, I like Jacksonville better. But I can't really in good conscience, say that I like Jacksonville better after Bortles turned it over five times at Arrowhead. So I've got Kansas City at three. Number two is New England uh, and the Patriots. I'm with Charlie Casserly on this. Uh, I'm guaranteeing a Patriots win Sunday night over Kansas City. This is one of the more intriguing, compelling, fascinating NFL matchups we've seen in the first five or six weeks of a season in a long, long time. You get... The new great quarterback, Hall of Fame quarterback, everybody's already inducted Patrick Mahomes against the Patriots in Foxborough and Brady. And remember, when they played on a Monday night at Arrowhead a few years ago, and Brady looked awful early in that season, that was like the first of three straight years where everybody said, oh, the Patriots are done. Well, they weren't. They went to the Super Bowl that year. My number one team, it's easy. It's the Rams. They came through a tough spot at Seattle I had Seattle as a smell test pick last week. I even suggested that they could win the game outright, and they had a chance to. But the Rams came through at the end, and there's Sean McVay, fourth down in their own territory. Make or break play. We're going to go for it to end the game. And if they didn't get it, they would have lost the game because they were already in Janikowski range at that point. Um, The Rams are the best team. They play in Denver Sunday, Tommy, in the forecast, 29 degrees and snow at Mile High on Sunday. So I want to see the Rams outdoors in bad weather. You're going to get that apparently Sunday in Denver. That's my top five. What's yours? My number five team in my power rankings are the Carolina Panthers. I think they're going to get better defensively under Ron Rivera as the season goes on. I think Cam Newton uh, is, is a quarterback that most teams can't really handle at this point because he he gives them uh, so much versatility and I think they're going to have a huge win Sunday at FedEx Field. Well, I mean, it was a huge win. Well, no, I think think they'll win like saying, oh my gosh. Oh, they're going to win big. Yeah. Oh Oh my gosh. Tom, if the Redskins get blown out Sunday, all that stuff that I said about them figuring it out and getting it back to, to being a competitive team, the season will end on Sunday if they lose forty-three to nineteen. Okay, okay. Well, you you're predicting it. You better wrap. You Is better that what wrap, you're predicting? You a blowout like that? Up. Listen, I, I've got a "You Heard It Here" verse coming up before <laughs> we we're done. We don't do that anymore. Well, I've got one for okay. you. Okay. Well, uh, I might, number four, I might let you do it. Are the New England Patriots uh, three and two record? Uh, I have no doubt by the end of the season they'll be like in maybe number two or number three, but uh, they're always in the top five. Uh, in any given week. Number three, I'm going to go the uh, New England, I mean New England, the uh, New Orleans Saints. New Orleans Saints is number three based on how good they've looked against the Washington Redskins. I think that the Redskins are a team where other teams get healthy against. And I think that the Panthers are going to look real healthy 
against the Redskins, just like the Saints did this past week. Number two are the Chiefs. I think you're right. I think they lose Sunday night to New England, but they're undefeated now, so you've got to rank them. I just, I, I, I'm going to short them. Um, and the only way to do it in sort of betting terms is you can't really short them uh, not to make the Super Bowl. You just have to play other teams in the AFC. Right. I just don't think Kansas City's a Super Bowl team. Probably not. Number one, easy, Los Angeles Rams. And is there any doubt how much the players in Los Angeles love Sean McVay after going for that fourth and one? I mean, that's the kind of play, not that he needed to, but that's the kind of play that solidifies a coach's place in a, in a locker room as a legend, that kind of play. Let me give you one team, just one to keep an eye on, Houston. They're really good on defense. And Deshaun Watson, man, he is definitely a star in the making, Tommy. He is such a playmaker. He's got big stones. He takes big hits. He's got to stay healthy. He's got to. He's actually got to be a little bit smarter on some of the hits. You know, he's got to learn the lesson that Russell Wilson learned. That you know, if you're going to make plays with your legs over and over again, you don't have to take the big shot at the end of the play. You can slide and avoid some of the contact. But I think the Texans are going to be a threat in that AFC South, even with Jacksonville, even with Tennessee. I think the Texans. They started zero and three. They got that win over the Giants. And then they beat the Cowboys, and I know they haven't beaten anybody yet, but they're really good on defense, and I think they are really capable offensively with Watson. I think the Texans are a team to keep an eye on the rest of the year. Is a team that could be a playoff team in the AFC. Uh, I've said them before. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. The Bears, Chicago Bears, at three and one. I think, given uh, despite how great Kirk Cousins has played, and he's played great, uh, the Vikings are struggling. The Bears could wind up winning that division. When all said and done. Yeah, I, I, boy, that's a division that's hard to even think about right now because you've got three, all four teams are capable of playing well. We saw yes. that with Detroit last week. We saw it with Minnesota last week. Um, and you get Chicago this week off their bye week uh, in Miami, which is actually an interesting game. Could be a small test pick uh, tomorrow because the Dolphins are a massive anti-public team this weekend. Um, finish up with a, a few things real quickly. Number one, um, I actually give the Giants a chance tonight against the Eagles. They're only a three-point underdog. It's not a smell test pick because I'm actually surprised that the public's not loading up on Philadelphia. Uh, the game is, according, and I, I checked right before we, we did the show today with a couple of, of people in warm locales uh, yeah. offshore, yeah. Um, and the action is fairly split on this game. I'm really surprised at that. I would have thought Philadelphia laying three against a giant team that looks completely dead that the public would have lined up on the Eagles. I personally think the Giants are still good enough and capable enough to win games, and I think we saw that last week, even though the 63-yard field goal beat him, Graham Gano's field goal beat him. I, I like the Giants a little bit. I may play the Giants tonight plus the three personally, um, but I'm not giving it out as a smell test. I also was very close to giving out TCU tonight, uh, laying seven against Texas Tech. The public is definitely playing Texas Tech uh, uh, enough to, to have made me think about it. Um, but I've watched TCU a few times, and the sharp money's off this game, so I, I'm, not, I'm not releasing that as a pick either. I'll have plenty tomorrow for uh, the weekend uh, on the smell test. But I like TCU a little bit tonight, just not enough to make it a smell test pick. And I like the Giants a little bit tonight. 
Okay. Uh, the MLB playoffs start this weekend. The national, actually, National League Championship Series, American League Championship Saturday. Series, start this weekend. Uh, like we discussed the other day, I still like uh, the Dodgers and the Red Sox in the World Series, but I, I mean, you know, the the Red Sox make me nervous because of David Price and their rotation. The reason I like the Red Sox is because of their rotation. But David Price looks like a head case when when it comes to postseason baseball. And the Washington Nationals made a trade, you know. I didn't know that. They traded for a relief pitcher from from the Marlins who just give away talent. Kyle Bearclaw okay. is his name. And? He's, he's a good relief pitcher. What did they give up for him? Well, all they gave up was international slot money. Teams are allotted so much money that they can spend on international players. And you can trade that money to other teams to use – for their international, uh, uh, you know, players. Now, uh, the Marlins are supposedly going to go after this hot Cuban prospect named Victor Victor Mesa. The guy's so good, they say his name twice. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but and, and, and I, I suggested on Twitter, well, I think it's a good trade. Why aren't the Nationals ever in on a player like this guy Mesa? Everyone explained to me, which I already knew, well, that, 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 that the Nationals have already spent uh, a big chunk of their allocation on the international players. Gotcha. So they wouldn't have. But my bigger question was, they have not been in on a Cuban player since they signed Unesky Maya maybe six years that ago backfired. now. backfired. Right. More and than that, that now. Isn't it more than six years it ago? Might, maybe it's seven. May, yeah, it probably is. I, I think it is. Uh, maybe seven or eight years ago. And I think that's foolish. It seems like the learners have made Cuban players persona non grata in terms of pursuing them for talent based on the Maya deal that 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 didn't work for them. And I think you know that, that that's misguided. I think that the Nationals should be in the Cuban uh, baseball market. Eight years ago, by the way, from eight Maya. years ago. Yeah, I thought it was longer. Yeah, a long um, time ago. All right, one, two more quick things before we leave. First of all, the Jimmy Butler thing that I wanted to get into with Scott, and we just went a little bit along for it. For he had to go do something, I think. But you know, th- there was something fishy there, and I, I'm going to just bounce this off you real quickly. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but there was this sit-down interview with Rachel Nichols shortly after at practice yesterday. He told General Manager Scott Layden. Um, you effing need me. You can't win without me. Caused a scene, grabbed third string players, and beat up on the first string. And then all of a sudden, he's in this long sit down interview with <laughs> Rachel Nichols. I found that to be a little bit fishy that this was all sort of concocted to drive attention to this interview. I, I, I but as, as a total aside, I'm a huge Jimmy Butler fan. And, of course, the Wizards are not going to be involved for trading for Jimmy Butler, even though I would give up Otto Porter, a pick, and a couple of other things, Kelly Oubre, to get Jimmy Butler. He's a winner. He is a tough guy. I agree. Winner. And I like Jimmy Butler. Um, but I, the, the whole thing yesterday with him acting up like this in practice and telling, you know, yelling at the GM uncontrollably and creating this scene that got leaked out of practice – and then all of a sudden, he's in this 20-minute sit-down interview with Rachel Nichols. I thought that was a bit strange. The other thing I just wanted to say to you is last night, the Lakers played the Warriors in a preseason game. SportsCenter led with it. That was like the number one, one of the top stories. It's The NBA, Tommy, has become 
this t- it really is. It's now a twenty. It's now a twelve month league. Oh, yes. just like the it, NFL yes, is. is. And the fact that there was this much, I know it was in Vegas, there was this much much interest in seeing LeBron, uh, you know, against the Warriors in the preseason, the NBA preseason a few years ago, you didn't even know what the scores were of the team that you were rooting for. Jay Glassy's the only person I ever, I've ever <laughs> known in my entire life, classy Jay Glassy, who watched NBA preseason games. Um, but really, it was... It was like the one of the lead stories on SportsCenter. I can't wait for the NBA season to start, and I will tell you this right now: the Lakers are going to be in the playoffs. The Lakers will be in the they, playoffs. They're a playoff team. Yeah, and look, I mean, we, we'll we'll get into the NBA when when the NBA season starts. I want to throw out a "you heard it here first. Okay, this is in response to your foolish. You know, I'm going to consider this part of your your brain issues that you're suffering with. I don't have any your, brain your issues foolish, that I know of. Your, your foolish declaration that Alex Smith will not be benched this year. I'm telling you that at halftime during the game this year, at some point, Alex Smith is going to be benched and Colt McCoy is going to come in in the second half. All right. What do we, what uh, injuries aside, injuries aside, a healthy Alex Smith, you think will be benched at some point during the season? It doesn't matter when at benched. And I'm, we're not talking about they're down 35 in the fourth quarter and Colt McCoy comes in for slop, you know, duty or 35 performance, performance related. I will bet you, well, we're all even on the palm dinner. Yeah. So we'll just bet another palm. Okay. Okay. There we go. All right. Uh, thanks to Brian McNally. Thanks to Scott Van Pelt. Thanks to Aaron Oster. Thanks to Window Nation. Thanks to Farish Chrysler Dodge Jeep. And thanks to Launch Workplaces. Uh, we are back. I'm back tomorrow with a full-fledged Friday football uh, day with smell test picks and lots of other uh, Redskins, Carolina Panthers uh, discussions. Let me just, can I mention something? Yes. You can catch me and Andy Pohl on Saturday, Saturday morning. morning. 9 to noon. 106.7 fan. 106.7 a fan. I'm also on with Chag Dukes every Wednesday afternoon for the most part from 4 to 6. And yep. you can you, read you me. You guys are great together in the too Washington on Wednesdays. Times. If you, uh, and if you can certainly muddle through the <laughs> online version of the Times, Tommy's column is the best. He's the, he's the flamethrower in town. The he's, bomb thrower. He's the only said. one.